This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. And what's really important is that we band together, we speak with one voice. You know, I'm like, you sure? Because I've got two kids, I don't want it to ruin your hunt. You're like, yeah, yeah, just come and home with me. Just take your time. Like I said, it would have killed a normal man, but I'm not normal, but, you know. When you said, why do you want to talk about that? To me, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, there's so many different factors that go into this decision. Enjoy it for what it is. Every moment of it. If, if, if you're only going to shoot one duck. Welcome to the Foul Front Podcast, part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Hey, Foul Front, it's Hannah from Oak Barn Beef. We're giving away a box of steaks, jerky, and more premium beef exclusively for the listeners of the Foul Front. To sign up, head over to foulfront.com and click on the Oak Barn Beef Giveaway tab to enter into this giveaway. Thanks, and we can't wait for you to try our Nebraska-raised and dry-aged premium beef. Whoa, where are we? Alex, are you there? I am here, but it has been a awesome. while. It has. It's been, what, this will be two weeks now? Two weeks on the dot today, recording on a Monday. Well, so, in case two weeks you since have, the last episode dropped. Yeah. In case you've forgotten who we are, um, I am Ben Page, your host for The Foul Front. And I am Alex Wallace, your co-host for The Foul Front Outdoors. And Ben, what are we doing here today? We, we, haven't, we haven't talked in so long. <laughs> well, I think we're, we're just going to wrap up the season and we're going to talk about kind of what we got going on. We have a couple pieces uh, um, of discussion between you and I that we're going to hit, but mostly we're just going to be wrapping up the season and talking about 
some of the the pros and cons and some of the the pieces of gear that we found really helpful this season. But uh, yeah, what what are you trying to do with this episode? Yeah, you know, I, I thought about it. I had a really good season here, um, and I learned a lot of things. Uh, I tried some different styles of hunting. I made some equipment investments, um, and then I, you know, some strange lessons learned. And I figured, like, you know, why don't we just sit down? Let's have an episode because you know, usually we put together like a topic, and I feel like we do a pretty good job, like running the content to ground. But this time, when I was thinking about what do I want to talk about at the end of the season, there were so many different things. And I was like, let's just treat this episode like we're at a campfire or sitting in a lodge um, after the last hunt of the season. And we're just talking about what we like, just wrapping it all up in one, you know, although yeah. where are you sitting right now? Uh, I just got home from, I just got home from my, my house scouting basically for my real, my upcoming relocation to the Eastern seaboard and in, in Virginia and just got off an airplane 30 minutes ago and came in the house to, to my den. So my usual recording, what about yourself sitting in my truck outside of my sister-in-law's place <laughs> because we have yet to sell our house and we have yet to, we've moved uh, up. And for those of you that don't know, I'm moving from Kansas to Nebraska and we've moved up to Nebraska, but we haven't moved into a home yet. So I'm living me and my wife and our kid and our three dogs are all living out of a, a suitcase and a truck and uh, my sister-in-law's place. And it's, uh, it's quite interesting. I'll say that. Well, you know, I think that, so, you know, you're moving kind of back, back to where you know home is for you, right? Like you're kind of going back to, to your roots in a way, like after your worldly explorations um, and, and getting back to some familiar ground with hunting, right? Yeah, you know, I'm about, it's it's really nice. I'm only like an hour and a half drive from my parents' place. So that is nice. And then I'm kind of back in my old college town. and But it's still a completely new hunting scene almost to me. Because, you know, it's been uh, eight years since I, I, you know, lived in this town. And I didn't, I didn't really do a lot of waterfowl hunting back then. And I haven't done a lot of waterfowl hunting uh, around here in this area, but uh, I actually linked up with a couple local guys already. Um, took me out to one of their box blinds on a field. Um, just really nice guys, and I was actually a little bit floored by uh, their kindness and just willingness to have me on. And I, I was actually pretty impressed with that. So, so far, so good. And that's awesome. I, uh, so like me, I'm, I'm uprooting from Texas and, you know, I'm going back to what I learned today, what I think is actually going to turn into a series of really good conversations between you and I, like some of the like historic lands and waters of waterfowl hunting and, and it's like, and waterfowl hunting in America. So like today I went out on the, uh, I went out to scout out a lease that I'm thinking about getting on because the laws in Virginia are so much different regarding public hunting access, like in certain parts of the state, like with established blinds. And if you think about it, like some of the property owners that have been in Virginia have been around since like before the country was a country. It's, it's not that much different than Texas. Like the king, the king gave them that ground. <laughs> right. And all of the riparian rights that go with it, which is something I am like, I'm getting a crash course education in um, 
like a, like it, like this very different form of waterfowl hunting. And so today when I was out um, looking at this lease, like they've got a couple of buildings, they got a couple of lodges and sitting in this lodge, they've got like old carved decoys um, that probably belong in a museum uh, like carved, like swan decoys, like the, the, the hard wood kind, you know, that like somebody wants cut and like figured out how to make float to bring in, to bring in ducks. And it was, it was very interesting. And in some ways, like I've had a great season in Texas. I'm very excited about going and kind of like getting like old school almost on diver hunting uh, in the Potomac river and the Chesapeake area. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to like getting after a different style of waterfowl hunting than I've ever done. And they had a really rough season this year um, from what everybody's told me, but you know, hopefully next year is different because I think I'm just going to get one year up there and I'm, I'm really trying to maximize it. So it'll, I think it's going to be an interesting talk between us because it's going to be so different. You're going to be hunting like in some, some hollowed ground yourself. And, and I'm going to be kind of hunting in like the, like I said, the, the original hollowed ground. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, you know, that's interesting. Um, yeah, my buddy Austin, uh, who he, I think he was on like episode number one and he, he's been on a couple of times uh, since then, but that was, uh, in that area was his first kind of taste, uh, in the Washington DC area was his first taste of waterfowl. And then, um, my buddy, Travis Stotch from, uh, GP calls. He actually, he's there. That's where he's from. So, uh, I, I hear about that oh. quite a bit. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be, and, and hopefully you can come out once, you know, because uh, I think. I, we're, I think we're that'll be on the speaking. docket, yeah. Because I am going, like, I'm already looking at outfitters, like, on doing a sea duck hunt. Like, that is something I really want to do. Like, and I was reading, you know, they go out and take, like, they're, like, the ocean and the weather are, are the deal breakers in their hunts. You know what I mean? Like, safely getting to the ground is is the kind of the challenge of the day. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited about it. So I'm bummed. I'm bummed to be leaving something that I know and I know is really good here, which I mean, I, did I tell you like the last two, the last hunt I went on my last hunt of the season, um, shot not one, but two cinnamon teal. Yeah. You did send me those uh, pictures. And yeah, you jerk. I'm sorry. I just had to, <laughs> I had, I had to show that off. Yeah. Like we shot one this bird dropped in and I went and picked it up and I was like, Holy moly. Like this is the first, or this is the second one I've killed this year. Um, this is crazy. Like that's, that's awesome. My, the, the guy that I hunt with here has been hunting here his whole life and hasn't killed one yet. And then I'm sitting in the blind with these guys and I'm telling them, I was like, Hey, this is a day for the books, you know, good, you know, congratulations. And then not 30 minutes later, I shoot another Drake cinnamon deal. And I was like, all right, I probably this is a great note to leave on. So I had an awesome end of the season. We are equal. We're equal on. We're equal on uh, cinnamon teal now. So you got three too. Oh, you have three. Never mind, man. You're one. Got, up. Yeah, you're one up. I killed one about a month ago. All right. So that one's going on the wall. So I'm having the teal slam mounted. So I got in the in all three of these teal on, on both days that I've killed these cinnamon teal. I have also killed a Drake green wing and a Drake blue wing. Um, like in full colors. So I have already got it arranged where I'm going to get those three mounted um, on a piece of driftwood or something. I haven't figured out what pose I'm going to go with yet. I'm about to be like best friends with my taxidermist with the mounts that I've got going on right now. I've got the, I've got the same plan for the teal trifecta. I've got my blue wing, uh, which is a stud and I'm just kind of, 
I shoot a lot of green wing, but I'm kind of shopping around for like the best one or maybe one with just a story or something. Yeah. Like it's really got the Mohawk going on. Um, yeah. Well, and so I, I had another, so the hunt before that I had a, you know, the first episode I ever did with you is the safety episode. We talked about having all kinds of gear. Um, and so I was, I was taking some people out on my boat. Um, and we're, you know, I show up early and I'm, I'm motoring up the river and it's pretty, you know, it's pitch black where we're, we're going. And then all of a sudden my, my motor just cuts out and dies. And I was like, well, that's never a good thing. Right. Um, and so were you, were you like mid current too, or like, well, so just right in the middle of the river, right in the middle of the river, thankfully not, there was not a lot of current flowing, you know? So it's not like, it's not like crisis situation that like you have in some rivers where like you die and, and you better be like throwing an anchor out or getting tied off to a tree or getting a paddle out to control. It wasn't quite, you know, it's not that bad. But, you know, if anything, I was kind of like, I had two people with me, I had a guy and a son. And I was like, oh, man, you know, this doesn't, it's never a good look when your motor dies. And so I, uh, I you know, figure out, you know, and it just kind of cuts off. And so I do a quick diagnosis on it and I figure, you know, okay, like maybe I forgot to vent the gas tank because I've had that before, you know, where I've accidentally like just, I have it unscrewed the little. And so, you know, it'll, it'll build up too much pressure and there it goes. So I go up there and the gas tank was vented and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Then I go and, and squeeze the bulb. And now at the time, my gas tank was all the way in the front of my boat. And I have an 18-foot boat. So you can imagine there's like 18 feet of fuel line now that's been sucked dry. And so I can't build any pressure up in the I can't build any pressure up in the fuel system. And the guy in the, the kid in the front looks and he goes, Hey, I see some fuel leaking out here. And I was like, oh, that's also not good. No. So it turns out that through all of my fastidious boat maintenance. The one piece that broke, you know how you know how outboard motors have those special clips, you know that that they have that, like a special plug depending on the brand you have that clips into the motor. Well, he yeah. So he had this on his gas tank, and uh, the little piece that like the the male end that plugs into that plug had cracked and broken, and was preventing a seal from happening. Um, like you never would think that piece would be a piece that failed. You know, but thankfully I had a backup in my boat. Like I had a back. Oh my I had God. A backup fuel connection. <laughs> um, and I managed. Okay. Cool. Question. Yeah. Question. Hold on here. One second. You didn't even know what that piece was before you like took off. How'd you have a backup? I carry. So if there is a connection in my boat, like if there is a connection for fuel or electricity, I will generally carry a basic, I mean, cause you think about it, like fuel lines, like if a fuel line cracks, you can cut the fuel line and put another piece on, you know, like you can splice it together. So I carry that. And then I, I bought a spare bulb because a, uh, a, I've had a bulb crack on me a long time ago. Like, you know, it'll just wear somewhere and it'll get a hole or whatever the case. So when I bought the bulb, it had a spare, it had another plug with it. So I just kept it all in the boat. Okay, I get. And so, you know, like I'd gone to Academy and just bought a, an extra one. You know, and I carry like I carry an extra solenoid in my in my in my boat um because I don't have a pull start on my motor. So, you know, 35 horse surface drives don't have pull starts. Um and so I carry an extra solenoid and and things like for exactly this reason and I was able to go and like patch it up and get these guys to the blind and and we shot ducks that morning. So, with time to spare, like I got there with time to spare. So, 
I was pretty happy about that. But a testament to keeping spare things. Like I would throw that out for anybody out there. If you have a critical piece of equipment in your boat that relies on some kind of connection, um, it's not that difficult or expensive to either carry a spare piece of whatever that is. Or I ended up using some of this stuff called T-Rex tape to, to like fix like, you know, fuel lines. If they have a clamp on it over time, can that clamp can like wear perforations into it. Yeah. Just throw a piece of this T-Rex tape and it will get you to and from and the fuel won't mess with it. So <laughs> there you go. That's, that's my, you know, my it's, it's, of course that's like the prudent and like good thing to do. Right. But, uh, there's a lot of good stories out there from a guy who's, uh, his, his fuel line was unfixable and they were stranded there. And so if you want one of those stories, go ahead and don't take Alex's uh, advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you want the, if you want the story that involves you like all day in a, in, you know, you know, they're always fun when they're not like a fight for survival, but you end up like 12 miles downstream, no boat ramp in sight. Yeah. Trying to figure out how to get your boat up. Exactly. I don't know, Ben, do you have one of those lately? Do I, uh, well, I, I really only like the only like true story of like, Oh, super screwed. I think was just when the water, the, um, they <laughs> were hunting on this lake and they let a bunch of water out. We were on a mud flat they let all the water out and we had to, uh, quote unquote, haul balls as they say to keep up with the water. So, mm, but yeah. that's about it. That's that was the last couple of weeks of my hunting, man. It was good. I like I wrapped the season up here for ducks, and I'm going to go on a goose hunt or two. I haven't figured out how many or how many my wife's going to want to go on because I think she wants to go and shoot some snow geese. So we're going to figure that out here. Yeah, I uh, you know we've just been moving for like the last. Well, you know, I spent a couple of weeks up in um, the Pacific Northwest, and then not doing hunting stuff. But um, then. Uh, got back and we I've been kind of in limbo for the last like week and a half just moving all the stuff and getting all the the movers and the packers whatnot but like I said I went out on that uh, that goose hunt with um, one of my uh, one of my new buddies I guess I'd say and it, it was a good time and we just it really got me excited for this area because there's tons and tons and tons of geese around here now it's hit or miss on whether or not you can get permission on where they're at. Um, but yeah, I am super motivated for the goose hunting in this area. Uh, and then, you know, I've got my kind of my plan on how I want to get after ducks for next season. I want to hunt a lot of the plat and, um, probably hunt more around where my parents place is. But yeah, I actually, uh, I got one more hunt in me. I thought I was completely done. And I thought that this last hunt that these guys took me out on, on Friday, um, I thought that that was my last hunt. And then my buddy Matt from Hyperary Sportsman texted me. He's like, bro, you in Friday? And I was like, well, I don't have, uh, I don't have to go to work yet. So yes, I am in. So I'm going to drop the kid off at, uh, actually, I think my wife's going to take the kid to daycare and I'm going to go get on geese one more time. And that's, that's pretty awesome. Like, did you do any good the other morning? Like, did you get anything? Um, so I had to go meet a realtor at noon and, uh, we got out, we got out there probably, uh, well, we were out there before sunup. I helped set up and whatnot and we worked quite a few birds, but, uh, they didn't, they didn't kill any geese until probably one or two, but then they, they killed 
close, pretty dang close to a two man. Um, and they were texting me all day about it. So that was nice of them, but no, I did not, I did not kill any geese. So well, at least you were out there, you know, like, yeah. It's, it's and always, honestly, honestly, just hearing about the, diff- the area and, um, kind of talking about the, the different guys in the area and, you know, little getting the backdrop on what's going on was extremely helpful. And honestly, I just had a really good time with the two dudes that I was out with. So it didn't, you know, it didn't really matter at all to me. That's cool, man. Well, um, do you want to roll down here to the clothing purchases? year in review like and when i say year in review it's only like a couple of things but before we do that uh, before we do that before we do this year in review i want you to in one sentence explain your season one sentence and like a a succinct sentence not a run-on sentence okay Mm, one succinct sentence um my season was it was an it was an excellent learning experience over a piece of public land that I've hunted before that I, uh, I got to take a new angle on, try new things. And it turned out to be very successful through, um, you know, a collective effort between my friends that I've hunted here before. And he was able to like get me started in a couple areas and then me exploring some new areas, hunting different style and also being successful and sharing that with people I know. I don't know. Good. What was this? Was that a sentence paragraph? That was that. It was close to a paragraph. But it's good. Yeah, well, You're good. Run on sentence. What about yourself? Same challenge. Yeah. Go. I would yeah, say. Huh? Yeah, I would say that it was a. Oh, it was frustrating with some extremely awesome moments um, sprinkled throughout. It was not consistent. But I did have a lot of great, like, gems of awesome memories and, like, experiences. Now that I'm looking back on it day to day, though, I was thinking, like, oh, man, this is kind of a kind of a lackluster season. But then when I really look back on it, man, I had some awesome, awesome uh, moments kind of pop out uh, from this season, which is important, I think. What was frustrating for you? I think what was frustrating for me was, you know – the water levels dropped out on me. I, I was never, I never had my consistent um, places where I know, like basically every time I stepped out my door, I was like, okay, uh, is the spot that I scouted yesterday going to be, this is going to have water in it? Um, or is yeah. it going to be flooded? Or are we going to be able to even get there? Um, and so that was kind of, it was kind of, it's hard. And then the, honestly, the, the field hunting didn't really pick up until much later in the season, like it normally does. But my water, my water hunting was just, it started off really great and then just kind of petered out for me. So see, I had to make a huge mid season adjustment for me. Like I started off the season hunting a very certain like area in a very particular way. Um, and then I finished the season on like a totally new area in uh, something totally like in a, almost a different style um, that I had to make the adjustment because my spots that I was normally going to um, 
I don't, you know, I think it was a combination of pressure and I think, you know, pressure and new birds would come in and, and, and then the, the fishing actually picked up a lot that I think unsettled some birds in an area that I used to go to. Um, and I ended up having to like go back to the drawing board, um, in about the, the early part of January and go and start scouting. Now I'm hunting with a little bit different intent, you know, like people are going out with me. And so I have to take it. it I think I, I don't think more serious than I would normally. I, I don't think, I think that would be like kind of a disservice to my own, you know, efforts in the hobby. It's just but a different pressure. You have a little bit yeah. more pressure. Yeah. You have a different pressure. And, and so, and, and, and I, I kind of have in my mind's eye what I want to do. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I ended up swapping it up and it paid off. It paid off big time. Like it worked really well. And so I, that was a big kind of a light bulb for me that, you know, if you're, if what you're doing, you know, sometimes you just have to go back and flip the script, like in the middle of the season, you know what I mean? Like when you, just when you think you've got a good plan, uh, I had to do that. So, and it, and it, and it, like I said, it ended up doing really well. I was the only one of our group of three guides, by the way, that did that. <laughs> And it ended up finishing out pretty strong. That's good. Yeah, I can't even really remember a time that I, um, you know, me, I'm a big walk-in guy. I can't even think of a time where I walked into a public marsh this year. Um, oh yeah, I, I can think of I can think of one. So, all right, what's the what's the crown jewel? What's the crown jewel of the season um, for you? Uh, watching this six-year-old kid blow a teal whistle and his 10 year old brother kill a teal that he called in. And I get to watch the whole thing. That was the, that was the most in that same trip. I got to see a gadwall like go straight inverted dropping into my spread like that, seeing that kid and like those two kids that I took out um, and their dad have such a good time. Um, it, that, that was like, that was like why I do it, you know, like, and I mean, like, and not just do it like from a, from a guide perspective, but just waterfowling in general. Like I got to take three totally new guys out this year and, and get success the right way, you know, like in my, like, and when I say that, you know, there was like, there's no cheating involved, like the right, like clean way. Um, and that was awesome. It was awesome to see like other people get, very excited and amped about waterfowl hunting. So, the, but the crown jewel was that kid, like his eyes lighting up when a teal like landed in the decoys, and he just like looks at me like this whistle works. Like what the? You know? <laughs> and yeah. his brother just like crushing it. <laughs> right, that's great, dude. No, so that that was the highlight moment for me. What about yourself? Uh, I have to say, it was um, when I took uh, my dad and um, my two buddies out on Chad Dawson's place over at. Um, um, we went on like a guided hunt with them uh, at Skypanned Outdoors, and and I can't remember. I don't even know what episode it was, but uh, we covered it. But my dad just popped up before everyone else. Uh, one of the guides said, "You know, take him." And my dad's, you know, he's getting up there in age, and you know, you got three young guys that are about to pull the trigger, and he beat us all out of the blind because he was so hungry for it, and he just one top, one shot, one kill. And it went down and he just kind of let out this hoop and holler. And it was, I don't know. That was just like my favorite moment so far of me and my dad in the outdoors. Um, and yeah, it it was, it was just, it was really cool because he was so excited, just like pure, almost kid-like. And so it was really cool to 
almost, I wouldn't say that I gave that to him, but I mean, you know, in a sense, yes. And it was, it was nice. Dude, like those are the things like, you know, people talk about like, why do we do it? Or you get, you get into this debate. Um, and I, you know, I think like, I, I mean, both of our stories, it wasn't, it wasn't like this big or rare duck we killed, you know, it, yeah. or this, or this band or whatever, you know, it was like, it was like seeing this reaction from people or like enjoying like, you know, this moment that's created in the outdoors. Um, and, and it's like, this is what's going to bring me back. You know, like this is, this is why I'll keep coming back. And like, this is why I'll keep coming back. Like when the hunting's slow or the day's slow, you know, it's, it's the people that are around and, um, it's moments like that where you're like, yeah, yeah, we had a good hunt, but like, if that was the only thing that happened that day, it would have still been awesome. You know? Exactly. When I look back on it and I think to myself, so I would say, oh, this is probably the slowest waterfowl season I've had. Um, but when I still look back at it, it's, I had so many fun, great times then like actual, some like real, like real moments out there in the wilderness. Um, you know, that it kind of gave me some hope. It's like, dude, even though you thought you had this, like the worst harvests and you know, you didn't shoot as many ducks. You didn't have it. Like you barely shot. Um, I think it was like, I think we only had like five or six days that I shot. We shot limits with our group, but you still have all these, you know, fun stories and awesome. And like, you didn't really like too as you, as you evaluate it, you're like, well, dang, it was actually a pretty good season. Kind of, kind of gave <laughs> me hope, like, like kind of gave me hope. It's like, cause you know, there might be a stretch of 20 years uh, in the future here where, man, we get dry summers and we get, <laughs> and we, we don't, you know, cause we're, we're in like waterfowl heyday right now. We really are. Yeah. And Jerry, Jerry Holden from ducks unlimited, all the, everybody will tell you, you know, today is the day, like there's never been more ducks. <laughs> um, and there's better, never been more opportunity. And it just gives me hope that you can still have fun. And I hope that a lot more people can kind of feel the same way, especially if we're in for some hard times in the future. Yeah, you're right. Like there was a couple of times this year, um, you know, last year was my terrible season. Um, like last year was the season that was like real slow for me that it was just kind of like learning it, you know, and this year just seeing the amount of ducks that I saw seeing the, um, the just different kinds. And I, I mean, I thought to myself a few times, like just sitting out, I mean, I sent you a couple of pictures of just like the marsh I was sitting in and it's like, I don't think it's going to get better. <laughs> you know I mean, because, and, and the reason I say that, it's like, what would make it better? Okay. More ducks, which means I'm going to shoot a limit quicker and then be done sooner. You know, like yeah. I actually, my favorite days were the ones where I would just get onesies and twosies. Like it took me four or five hours to get a limit. I like that. You know, um, like I, 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 there was two days this year where I like, I, we, we, we shot a limit like within 30 minutes and everybody talks about that. Like, yeah, I could, I could like, you know, kill my pile 30 minutes. We were in and out and I'm like, man, that, that's, that's a. I mean, I like those days. I'm not going to complain. I won't turn them back in. But I think my favorite days are the ones where I'm out there like two or three hours. We talk a little bit, drink some coffee. Yeah. The pairs come in and you talk about them. Those days are great when my wife is pissed at me. And it's like, (laughs) I'm back by by 10, babe. Check it out. You know, those are great. But yeah, I do. I like going out and uh, enjoying a a whole morning of, of duck hunting. Well, um, you know, to, to take this in a different direction, what would you say your crown jewel of clothing purchases was this year? 
I've said it once um, a couple episodes ago, and I'll say it again. But the best life is the best life. Once All right, which I, vest? Which vest are you running? I have a Carhartt vest, and I have mm-hmm. a Magellan um, bottom lens vest as well. And those things are perfect. Did you you joined the vest life? Is that correct? I, I did join the vest life, and this actually ties in with uh, I bought my first piece of Sitka gear. So I uh, I hadn't really you know the gear I had was fine, and I didn't have a reason. And then you you know after that episode we talked about the vest. I was like. I was using my wa- I was using my waiter like belt loops to um, like hook decoy clips to and everything, and I was like, yeah, you know, a vest might be vest might be good, you know, if I can if I can do this. And so I went online, and Sitka was starting to have some of their end of season sales, and I and I bought their Delta waiting vest. Okay. And I have to I'll have to say, man, that piece of equipment is awesome. Like. That is a, that vest, like one, just from like what the reasons that you like a vest, like your core stays pretty warm. Now it's a very, it's pretty thin, but it, it breaks the wind and everything else like another layer. But the functionality of that vest is it's like having your blind bag with you on you. Um, and, and it just like some of the smart things that they have on it. So um, I wish Sitka would have, I wish Sitka would like come out with a plaid, uh, pattern. (laughs) <laughs> that would be bomb. I, I, you know, like I said, you know, I've told you in the past, like I'm not a huge gear, you know, fanboy. but if it's good and it works, like I'll get behind it. And after taking that thing out, um, a few times and just the practicality of it, like how much easier it actually made my experience in the marsh. Um, I was like, Oh, this is like, I was actually thinking about how I could use it. Turkey hunting. You know, I was like, uh, but oh yeah, turkey vest. I don't need that. But it's, it's undeniable you know, that it's some extremely advanced technology um, for keeping you warm and dry. I just wish yeah. they had different colors. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I ended up buying. You know, I went on another. I went on there with a sale, and I ended up getting like one of their their like lightly weatherproof hoodies, which down here in, in South Texas made a lot of sense because it didn't. It doesn't get. I mean, the coldest morning is like forty five degrees in January. You know, by the by, mid morning it's sixty. So you know, a hoodie for me with my waders are going to work fine. And so I ended up using that hoodie and I and that vest with my waders, and I was very comfortable. And you know, like I, I drove out some mornings in like drizzly rain, um, and and I had that hoodie in which they treat with some kind of water repellent. You know, it's like lightly weather resistant. You know, you're not going to stand up. Sure. But yeah, no, it, it was it'll, very it'll warm. Be, it'll beat a mist off. It'll, it, you yeah, know, light rain yeah. is fine. Yeah wind um you know it's pretty good against the wind i was i was I, I was genuinely impressed um i just need an increase in my allowance to expand that that gear further um if i so choose and honestly i've got other stuff that w- that's working well but i did i did kill i did kill two pairs of waders this year so i'm probably going to be in investing in waders soon and can do i looked at their waders do you feel comfortable um telling us the brand and the style of waiters that you killed. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I killed a pair of frog togs. Um, and I, I do want to caveat this with, I don't, this was not killing because of poor 
manufacturing. This is killing because the environment that I was hunting and guiding in down here is just hard on anything but canvas and leather. Like when you were like, I'm retrieving ducks and you're, and you're going up against um, mesquite and everything else like that has thorns in it. There's really not too many waders that are going to successfully do that. And and I finally, my frog togs after about 20 hunts. And if you count last season, because I used them last season, the whole year, uh, I probably had like 30 hard hunts on those things. And, and finally I got, I got a pretty good leak in them and, and, and it's, I can't, I, I think it's, I think it's where the protective, they kind of, they put two layers on it, you know, kind of like chaps, yeah. if you, if you will. And I think it's where those chaps have pulled the seams out. I could probably, and I do plan on repairing them, um, you know, going and like resealing all the seams in them. It's just going to take a lot of effort for it. And I think it's the seams and I think I've got a couple of punctures and I'm from, you know, random things. Um, and I ended up switching then. So I went to a pair of just like standard Cabela's. They were just Cabela's breathable fishing waders. And it took about three hunts and I murdered those things with, with a stick or something like Oof. they, they were, which down here I could truthfully, like I wear a Merino wool underlayers. I wear Merino wool socks. Yeah. You'd and be so fine. I, I was fine, but it was also, like I said, it's like 40 to 60 degrees out. So I'm not like, you know, my, my boots are slogging, but I'm not, uncomfortable anytime i have a pair of waders that you know kind of kicks the pooey as it were um i always tournament i just call them boat waders or kayak waders you know what i mean yeah i'll wear yeah. those in the boat or if like someone's wearing them i'll say do not step anything past right. like your knee or whatever so it, yeah like i plan on taking these and so like next year for example up in virginia they'll be great for the style of hunting up there, you know, so like today on that blind tour, like they don't do a whole, whole lot of waiting per se, you know, like they're hunting kind of out of fixed blinds over deeper water, like diver hunting. They do have some marshes, but it's not like the, the waders are going to be good for the times you need to just like hop in to move the boat somewhere or, you know, it, they're, they're not going to be put to the same rigorous use. So like for, you know, if my dad or someone comes hunting with me or like if you came out, like it'd be perfect for something like that. You know, even once like, and I plan on fully sealing them up to try and, and, and re recoup them, but they're not going to take the same abuse that they did here down here, you know? So they're going to be my spares, but I'm definitely going to be in the market for a set of waiters. I'm eyeballing those sickest, but Oh my gosh, like I, I just, I, I need to get like super famous or something like, ah, those, those things, it's just, that's a big chunk of change. Like that's a, yeah, me and my yeah. wife, we walked we walked past um we were in Shields. We're just kind of walking around and since we were tr we we're trying to kill some time and our you know, entertain our kid. And uh we walked past um the the Sitka waiters there and I said, "Oh, hey, babe, check these waiters out. This is what you should get me for uh my birthday." And she like, "Oh, yeah, those look cool." I was like, "Oh, well, how much do they cost?" And she turned it over and she goes, "Oh, it's yeah. like 900 bucks." Yeah, and I look. I looked at her when she said like nine. Oh, she was like kind of uninterested in like she's like nine hundred bucks. It got me thinking. I'm like, you know, I don't okay. know if she knows. Okay. I don't. I don't think. I don't think she knows how much waiters cost. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I did the math. I was like, huh, interesting. That's interesting a lot. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. Oh. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I've divulged to her like, oh, I'm buying new waiters. I don't think I've done that, you know. 
Um, I just show up with new waiters and she just doesn't think about them. And so I, you know, all right. So you're going to get my gear philosophy. You know, my gear philosophy is you, you spend what, you know, in the outdoors, you get what you pay for. I truly believe that you, you absolutely get what you pay for. Um, with a few exceptions, but I think that what you need is very dependent on how hard you are on it, how often you go, the conditions in which you go, um, would demand that. I would say like after this season, like I probably hunted 30 or more times this year. Um, I didn't keep really a log, but I know it was over 25 cause my wife reminded me of that. And, and I hunted, you know, I hunted all different conditions and I really put my gear through, the ringer doing what I would consider to be standard waterfowl activities. You know, I wasn't like running through briars, but Hey, if I shot a duck and it went into some bushes, I went in and got it, you know I mean? So I think that next year I will probably hunt probably a little less, but, but maybe not, you know, this place I'm going to has pretty good access, honestly. And it takes me less time to get there and be in a blind than where I'm at now. And, and that, that's going to drive a thought on how I spend money for gear, you know, and, and that might be where if you're going out that many times a season and a company like Sika that backs their gear the way they do absolutely might be the way to go for you. You know, if that's what you want to do, um, if you're not going out that frequently, then you probably don't need that. And, and a lot of other things will totally suffice, or if you're just not that hard on it. Um, but I don't know, I, I beat the hell out of my gear this year. Uh, like I said, two waiters dead. Like it might be time to, to spend some good money on on some of that stuff, but I don't know. I'm still wrestling with it. I've heard uh, from multiple people um, that the Rogers pintail. I haven't even looked it up online, but people are swearing by that. Hmm, for waiters. okay, they might want to check that out. I'll check those. Out. Okay, what what's what's some other purchases you had? I notice I'm looking at your list here. And mm-hmm. I see one on here that I'm, yeah, yeah I almost deleted it. Yeah, yeah, I know. What's going on? I know. Uh, so this year, I also made a significant change in my wardrobe, just in general. Um, and and this is going to border a little bit, probably on the too much information. But I, guys, if I didn't think it was important, I wouldn't mention it. But I changed out my 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 underwear this year, um, and I went now. With are, some, when you say underwear, do you mean like? boxers you like straight up okay skivvies like the not the underwear not long johns no 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 oh, which i did buy okay. yeah no i'm talking about like your standard you know like what you would wear day-to-day boxers boxer briefs whatever your choice may be but this is what inspired the change so about two months ago i got an email from duluth trading company right and they're like okay you know and you see the commercials on tv all the time like, Hey, you know, get our, our buck naked underwear for this much. And so I, you know, I just happen to be in need, which it happens occasionally, right? Like occasionally you got to get rid of some, you know, got to get some, you wear them out or whatever the case you need some new ones. And I was in a position. And so I figured I'll spend the, you know, they, they had a sale, like buy one, get one or whatever. And so I did. And up until that time, I'd been a fairly standard well, I'll just get the Hanes or whatever shows up on the BX shelf. I didn't really care, you know, like I have my preference, um, you know, and, and, but I didn't, I didn't really go out of my way or put a lot of thought into it, but I always noticed that like, okay, so for example, you go out 
and you put waders on, even with breathable waders, like what happens if you're like pretty active in waders? Like you're going to sweat and things get, you know, what swampy, right? I mean, am I wrong? Like it, does it, does it not happen to you too? Right. Yeah. We actually want to uh, break here on this, on this segment and uh, now <laughs> this episode brought to you by Duluth trading company. <laughs> get our duck naked underwear. Uh, <laughs> duck naked underwear. Do your balls get kind of sweaty when you're walking through the swamp? So, so here's the Facts. thing. It's, <laughs> I mean, so it's, I, it's not, I just said ball. I think that's the second time I said balls on this episode. It is. It is the second time. I'm going to have to mark uh, this explicit now. Yeah. This is an explicit are. episode. This Damn is it. on you now, but, but since we're already there, I'm going to just take it there and we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a genuine conversation about it. The problem is, is you go and you do that or you slip in the water, you get a little water in your way whatever the case may be. Like you soak down, you soak yourself a little bit. Right. And then you might be fine through the hunt and you might be fine. Like as long as you're active, but when you're sitting in your car in that hour and a half drive home, things start to get uncomfortable. Like, like it, it starts to not be like, or if you got a long boat ride, like it starts to get like kind of miserable actually. And, and I had that happen a couple of times this year and I was like, man, but I noticed it did not happen when I had those Duluth trading company underwear. And I did some research on it on why, um, you know, it's all about the polyester and moisture wicking, all that good stuff. And, and after, after I figured that out, I like I needed to do kind of a whole wardrobe change and they had another sale and I replaced every one of my underwear with them. Um, so I would never Question. risk. Are they, are they like, are they compression shorts? No, they're not like they're boxer. I mean, it's hard to explain They're commercials. Yeah. Cause I are, dude, you just got to try them once. Um, they're great. They're great for, Hunting, like if exactly what their advertisements say is exactly what they do. And I tried them for two months before I actually sprung on replacing my whole get up with them. Because once again, you're talking about an investment, right? You know, like these aren't the cheapies um, and I don't just hop on a bandwagon. But after, after I had that happen in the marsh a couple of times and my ride home was just extremely uncomfortable, um, you know, like I can't get to my, and, and you know, when I get done duck hunting, like I got to put the boat up and I don't, I live in an apartment. So by the time I get off the water until the time I am actually like on my couch, it's about three and a half hours, you know, before I can like get home to shower and change because of all the work that goes into taking care of the gear. Um, this changed my quality of life. And that's why it got a line here that you almost deleted, but by God, if anybody out there is running into this issue, um, the Foul Front Outdoors has presented you a viable solution. So, um, can I make a? Uh, you know what? I'll I, I'll order a pair. I'll order a pair tonight when we get off here. Um, however, I, I, I if I do that, if I order a pair of underwear, I will break a thirteen-year streak <laughs> of never having purchased a pair of underwear. <laughs> well, you've got a lot more to lose than I did. You know, like I, uh... um, <laughs> my mother, I get all of my underwear. My mom, Santa, or excuse me, if there's any kids in the car, Santa brings all my underwear. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I really, I, I thought about this for a long time, but I was like, you know, 
People listen to the Falcon Outdoors because they want honest reviews on things that help them be a better hunter. And this time it was underwear for me. Um, and, and it, it did make a difference. So try them out. I, you know, the buck naked ones, they, they have a couple, don't get the cotton ones. You got to get the, you know, the synthetic ones, but they are, they are my new daily, you know, for everybody that was curious, like they are my new daily, uh, active, active wear undies. And I can't recommend them. All right. Well, we'll post Alex will post a link in the, in the show description. Yep. All right. Let's move on. All right. Underwear. Um, I think, right. should we go through some equipment instead of sure. get, get out of the clothing? Yeah. yeah um, okay. What's the, your most, first off, we'll start off with equipment that we loved mm. this season. What's your most loved piece of equipment? My most loved piece of equipment was by far my A5, my Browning A5. I made the jump over to the Wicked Wing uh, this year with a Cerakote on it because I had another A5 that was the the blued and, and and wood that I was a little afraid, and so I got the I got this Wicked Wing back in teal season, um, and that thing chewed through whatever I put in it through dove and duck, and has never let me down with very mild cleaning. So, no joke, no joke. I like this is absolutely no joke. There's a couple things in my garage, um, or <laughs> well, they were in my garage, but now they're in transit um, somewhere um, that I am selling this summer to kind of trade some money and some space for a Wicked Wing. So, yep, I man, that thing, I, and you know, they got some mixed reviews. If you can go and look, you know, or I guess Browning had a little hiccup with them a couple of years ago. I've just hunted with Browning shotguns for so long, and and and. I, this, I, I couldn't figure out a good reason why. And I like that kinematic drive that's on them. I like the fact that they don't have gas ports to get clogged, which I mean, I know gas guns are way more reliable now than they have been in the past, but that gun was just, that thing was awesome all year long. So I'm a big, yeah. big, big fan of it. So Well, good deal. Good deal. I'm going to save my favorite. I'm going to save my favorite piece of equipment this year for last. Okay. But, I do want to take this time um, to give my my buddy Hunter Andres of DuckNuts.com a little shout out because one of my favorite pieces of equipment this year was the 18-foot custom Duck Nuts. Oh, my gosh. Um, he did it. I Dude, I know. He did it uh, begrudgingly. I had to talk him into it. <laughs> I said I want some I want some 18 foot duck nuts because I love duck nuts. They're my they're my favorite decoy rig. And he said, I don't know, man, that's a lot of nut tugging. And I said, I need them because I was so tired of um pulling like I don't know. I was hunting out of a kayak and I just needed something because the duck nuts are great because it keeps the, the weight right next to the to the decoy and all you have to do is just grab plastic and then tug your nut until you hit the right depth. Huh? I, I'm going to, you know, so that today uh, when I was out scouting, I took a look at some of their decoy rigs because I asked them what kind of rigs they use and they run them off 12 foot lines, like 12 foot long Texas rigs, basically. Um, So maybe I'll have to invest in some 18 foot long duck nuts for my, for my, yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Huh? Well, Well, Actually, Hunter Hunter is going to be pissed because he was like, "Don't tell anybody that I made eighteen <laughs> footers for you because uh, I don't want that." You know, and I said, hey, "Dude, I need them. 
I need them. And he goes, all right, fine for you. Uh, but the thing is, is I don't think they want to sell them like mm. that, you know, cause it, it is a lot of as quote unquote nut tugging. Well, so um, there might be a market for a lot of might be a market for in divers. Oh, yeah. Because so the, the, the boats that I was out on today, they have big, like four and a half foot by four and a half foot by like five foot tall bins built onto the boats for all their diver decoys. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and, and they have all these wrapped lines with just a weight on the end of them. And I could see where that would be a mess and where one of those things might have some utility. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Let's get off duck nuts. I think that's like the fourth time we've referenced some sort of. Yeah. Explicit for sure. Particular thing. Yeah. Mm. Okay. What you got next? What's, what's something else? Um, so, uh, to, to get after the shells, everybody's going to talk about boss. You've heard us talking about it. Boss shot shells were definitely different and way more effective in my opinion. So when I ran, but, but here's what happened. I, I shot through my flat of three, five duplex boss shells, my three, five, three inch shells. I, I, I blew through them and I found myself in this interesting quandary where I was like, they, they didn't make them again for a little while. They didn't have a run of them. And I was kind of debating. I did buy some 16 gauge shells that I went through as well. So I went through a lot of boss shells and I found myself needing like an off the shelf option. And that's where I went with the the heavy metal, heavy hammers. And they are not as good as boss, but we're a suitable substitute. Um, and so that's, that's yeah, awesome. I've, I've got to say I've shot both pretty much side by side, like in the same blind bag. And yes, you are absolutely correct. Um, and you know, for the longest time, I always swore by that field and stream ammo. Mm-hmm. and it shot just fine uh again you know i've got i shot in the same hunt i probably shot boss heavy metal hammer and field and stream just straight steel all in the same uh hunt and you know it, it doesn't there's a dip you can tell a little bit of a difference yeah i, I think uh, you definitely you can, can. I, th- I i could definitely tell a difference between the steel and the heavy hammer and the boss you know it mostly from Ducks falling out of the sky dead or ducks like getting puffs of feathers on them, which nothing, nothing upsets me more than seeing that, uh, you know, like where you, you can tell you hit a bird and like, you just see some feathers come off and then they just keep going and you're like, well, what the hell? <laughs> you know? um, yeah. Or having to not have to take that, you know, you, you put a bird on the water and then shoot it again. Yeah. Yeah. Spend the next you three. Know, shells. Like that's, that's probably, that's probably the difference. Yes. You know I mean? Yeah. And I could tell cleaning birds this year too. the different, like I could, like I would pull, you know, like I'd clean a bird and I'd pull shot out of it. And I, I, I know they do ballistics gel, you know, with, at, at boss, I've, you know, I've seen them talk about it and it's like, that's real life. Yeah. I mean, like I cleaned birds side by side with my buddies that used all three, you know, like standard steel, heavy hammer, and boss, and it's almost like three, two, one in order of, of penetration. Um, you know, at least in my 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 hands-on bird cleaning experience. So, anyways, yeah, sure. uh, enough about boss. I mean, we everybody talks about how awesome it is. I mean, it, it's real. It, it, it is good stuff. But if you have to get something off the shelf, and you're in a pinch. Um, which I have to say their customer service is awesome. They can get you stuff pretty fast. But if you're like talking the night before and you realize you've got only four more boss shells left and you need to get something, heavy hammer is a good substitute. 
my next piece of equipment, my next piece of equipment that I want to advocate for or you know discuss is the Alps uh, zero gravity layout. And um, the first time that I had ever actually sat in one was when I was out with Chad Dawson um, and my dad. And I got into it. And I was like, oh, this is pretty comfy. But then my dad kept making comment after comment after comment on about how comfortable it was. So that thing's in my Amazon shopping cart and uh, just specifically for my dad. And if you have somebody that is older um, that you need to take care of, that is the, that's the layout blind that you need to get into. So. All right. I mean, I don't hunt out of layout blinds at all right now. Uh, but I would, I've heard you're the second one that's mentioned that. So. Sorry. It is really cold in my truck. So I'm going to probably have to start. We had a little nice little cold snap up here in, in Nebraska. So. Well, my next piece of equipment that is is my is is Go Devil. Just in general, I know that we had Warren Coco on, um, or I had Warren Coco on a couple of weeks ago. But I would I would not have gone out and, and talked to Warren Coco if I hadn't used their equipment and could just swear by the durability of it. And um, you know that surface drive that I've that I've run, I ran them a long tail before that. Um, what a solid like what a solid built piece of equipment that works. Um, you know, like I said, even like the problem that I had with my motor was not with my motor. It was with the fuel, you know, give that thing gas and it will work. Um, and like that, it was awesome. Good piece, good piece of equipment that I could sit there and stand by. So I liked it a lot. If you're thinking about getting into that, I know a lot of people look at their, you know, pro drives. There's a lot of good brands out there. This is by no means like saying that there's not others, but you know, that, that, that company's philosophy and, and how it stands up is is good by the way guys they don't send us a dime to say any of this stuff for any of these companies so um, actually yeah none of these people literally send us money yep like, i'm looking at the list of th- stuff that we're talking about and none of these people send us money yeah it's just it's just good stuff <laughs> so, that stood a test of time so anyways that was my next one all right um well actually i guess in the same breath that i just said none of these people send us money um i had been shooting the same choke tube uh, shotgun combo for my entire life, pretty much since I was 12, I've had the same shotgun and the same choke. In fact, it took a considerable amount of prying to get my choke out. But, uh, I had Mr. Carlson on, uh, from Carlson's choke tubes. Oh, I would say probably what six or seven months ago. It was an off season episode. Uh, maybe, maybe longer than that. And just out of the blue, he texted me. He's like, Hey, you know, um, what do you shoot? I said, BPS. And he goes, well, um, I'm going to send you something. So he sent me uh, their cremator series. Uh, I got an extended range and a mid range choke. And those things are great. And uh, you know me, I shoot, I shoot them pretty much, you know, feet down, but there were some time in the face. Yeah. That's what it's the way I prefer it. Um, but even having that extended range cremator on there, I just felt like I was a- instead of, I don't know. I just felt like way more accurate and controlled. I was, I could hit birds on the, the, you know, the front portion of them instead of like, Oh, I'm just shooting at a bird. I felt, I literally felt like, Oh, yeah. I can aim for their head. I, I, I don't know. That probably sounds stupid. Um, or like 
Oh, okay, man. No, but I literally, I kind of felt that way. Um, I, I really did. I mean, good jokes. Like for those of you out there that haven't put any thought into it, or I, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I took out this year that were like, you know, I asked them, so what choke are you using? Because in some of the spots that I went, it, it did make a difference whether you're using, uh, what choke you were, because it, like we had, we had one spot where the shore blind was, was pretty far out from the kill hole, like just by virtue of where the trees and everything were. Um, and you were going to take a little bit longer shot. And I always told people to like, to put it, you know, bring a, if you've got a full choker, a, an improved modified was probably the lightest I would go on that spot. Cause it just made it, it, it made it, it, it's not like we were shooting unethically. The birds would come in feet down. They were just coming like yeah. just by the environment further out. Um, and then, you know, and then other spots I would have to go to others. I do have some Carlson sprinkled in. I haven't bought any for my, my Browning, um, my a five yet, but I may have to give it, uh, consideration, but, uh, I can't say you got to go out and cre- you got to go out and, and uh, pattern your gun occasionally, you know, and put some thought into the chokes a lot. You know, it's an afterthought. People are like, I got to modify it or I got whatever came with it. Um, you know, sometimes it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. So put the time in. Absolutely. All right. What do you got next? Um, motion ducks. Motion ducks was a game changer in my cheat in my, uh, in my jerk rig this year. And, um, once again, kind of like we talked about Sitka, believe all the hype or not that it makes deploying a jerk rig so much easier. And I think it looks so much better in a spread than a, a standard four in the line duck rig or jerk rig that I'm, I, I mean, I've got two of them and, and I don't know what will break on them, but if they ever did, I would never go back to a standard jerk rig. Hmm. Wouldn't do it to, they're just too convenient. Like just from a convenient standpoint, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I would just take four decoys and clip a weight to them and just throw the spreader out just to make it easier to pick up. Yeah. I, I haven't messed with that yet. I, I need to probably reach out to that guy. Um, see what, it, see what it's about, but stuff. I just ordered two of them. I just, I just ordered them off Amazon because I've heard a couple other people on podcasts talk about them. I went to the website and I was like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And then I got them. And like in my boat, so I carry, you know, every, even whether I put them out or not in my boat, I usually have five dozen decoys and, you know, to set a jerk rig up, if you don't, if you have a stand, you know, you got to have four different decoys, you got to clip them all on, you got to, you know, throw it out. This thing, you just unfold it and chuck it in the water, like clip the anchor on, clip your jerk line on. There's nothing to tangle on it. Um, Like it, it goes so much faster and it stores so much easier. Like there's no unclipping the decoys on or off. Like they're always on the thing. Um, at least they are for me. And yeah. And then like, so I just had eight like ready to throw out decoys. It was really, really easy and convenient. So I like them. All right, man. My most beloved piece of equipment this year was the kayak. The, that, the kayak completely mm-hmm. changed my game, completely changed a lot of access that I had. Um, and I don't know if I'll never, if I'll ever not have a kayak in the arsenal again. All right. So, um, what, what kind of kayak do you have? Oh, what is sun dolphin or something like that from Academy. Okay. Some like $150, uh, kayak that I rattle canned myself to the chagrin of my wife. Well, it'll get you where you need to go. Exactly. I'm looking at getting a, I'm looking at getting a used new canoe. Yeah. Like just a well-loved new canoe. Sure. Um, I, I, and I've seen like I put the a guys. Roof, 
all the YouTube guys, they've got, uh, what is that? Old town. Yeah. Old town. Old town. Yeah. They've been sending them a bunch of stuff and, uh, those don't look like kayaks to me. They look like, uh, they look like canoes. (laughs) I don't know. Well, I, you know, like the new canoe seems to straddle the boundary between a kayak and a canoe. I think what I like about them that I've, I've looked so, so I've, I'm looking for some spots next year. I, I, I showed you pictures. I put a roof rack on my yeah, boat. Like yep. I put roof rack trail like track on my boat. And so I run a standard Yakima on my, on my boat that I could put a kayak rack on. Yeah. Um, and so next year I think I will be using that a lot actually, because one, the blinds I'm going to be hunting out of are in deep water. And so to go set decoys or like make a retreat without a dog, it'll come in very handy. And the next one would be like to get into some marshes. Those new canoes can take small mud motors on them. Sure. Um, and so like for two people, you could, you could use one. So my thing is, is I've got to be able to, but what I like about my kayak, I can throw that thing on my freaking back and walk a half a mile by like just myself Yes, with a, nice. with a bag of decoys in one hand and then that thing on my shoulder and I can walk a half mile in and then I can paddle that thing for another quarter mile or, or, or a mile or whatever, whatever it takes. And boom, you're there. So. All right. All right. Well, what, I, what I, piece of gear could you do? without that you bought this year oh man hands down for me it was cheap texas rigs like the academy brand texas rigs yeah um if you're gonna buy those i would recommend you buy the ones that you could salvage the weight and the swivel off of not the ones that Um, the weight is molded onto the line yeah yeah that's that's just like i mean unless you're you know i mean you can still get by you could drill a hole in them so i I did go and figure out you can do that if you want to salvage them you can melt them down too yeah, like if you've got the the stuff to do that, which which I don't, but I I've got a pile of them now. But yeah, you know those cheap rigs, they they sound like a good idea at the time, and you think like, oh, what you know, what what could possibly go wrong? Well, those weights will pull out, you know, of the the pull out of the the cord, and there's no way to really fix them, um, and you'll just kind of end up with, or they'll not, and they kink, and that annoyed me a lot this year that I would, I, you know, I'd, about every other trip I'd lose one or two decoy, like the weights would pop off of them uh, and nothing crazy, like either just pulling them out of the bag or like they would get maybe like stuck on a log or, you know, something that should be fairly easy to get out. Like those things would, would, would give up, give up the ghost. And then I, um, so I ended up buying all the stuff to just build my own rigs with, with like good PVC or mono fishing line and crimps. And, and, and did that myself and, and I salvaged those weights and swivels off of them. So it wasn't a complete waste, but that's what I could have done without Cause it just, it was, it was so, it was like one of those, it's like a mosquito biting you. It's just annoying. It was just annoying when you would lose that. And uh, man, I gotta go, you know, what, buy 12 more. That's dumb. Right. So right. I just invested in the crimps and the pliers and I have all the stuff now to make my own rigs. Thank you. So. What about you? Um, stuff that I could really do without. I don't know. You know me. I'm pretty good. Um, I don't frivolously spend. I was <laughs> okay. I got one piece of like equipment that I bought this year at Cabela's because I think I I just bought it because I didn't want to walk out of Cabela's having not bought something. <laughs> No joke. No joke. <laughs> ah. And this is like, it's, it's silly. 
what I'm even bringing up. It's this stupid like thing that you stick in the ground and it is a frame for you to lay a recently deceased bird onto um, that makes it look like it is a decoy that is flying in to your spread. What? That's a thing? Yeah. <laughs> it was in the <laughs> It was in the bargain game. I paid eleven ninety nine for it. So what uh, is this? Like a, a build your own spread like it's uh it's it's definitely like a like a, a duck crucifix or something like it's not even for a goose, it's just for a duck. Like the picture on it was literally like a hen mallard. And <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to envision like I'm trying to envision like somebody right. shooting the first duck in the morning, and they're just like, "Yes, I got to lay this thing. I have another, yeah, 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 yeah. another decoy." Yeah, it was stupid. It was a dumb purchase, man. <laughs> and it's like a basket too, and it's got like I, I think the box even said it was like folds in compactly or something like that. I don't. Know. <laughs> It's embarrassing. Like, what market are you? Like, what marketing are you targeting? Like, the guy that the guy that can only carry in a half dozen decoys and can create five more, like while he's out in the field before listen, he gets his sixth bird. Listen, Mister Underwear Man, I don't want to. <laughs> I shouldn't have even oh, brought just, that up, I'm, dude. It's hilarious, but I'm just like, I'm just trying to understand, like. How I mean, I get maybe how that idea was created, but it's like, listen, when I bought it, I thought it was going to be a great idea. Okay. I said, Oh, I have another, I have another duck coming in. Dude, I didn't use the thing once. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> if anybody, I mean, okay. If, if whoever invented that is listening to this, I apologize. I'm sure it's a, like, it was a, I don't apologize. It, it I'm sounds- sorry. <laughs> It sounds like a good idea. I mean, it, like for example, like in dove season, right? You shoot a dove and it drops on the ground, like where where you might have your decoys, and you know it's like flopping around. Yeah, like sometimes I'll leave that thing right there because others will come in because of you know it looks like it. Um, That's but like I just, uh, well, I mean, dude, you do what works. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's like a real. Like, I life. get it. Like okay, yeah, you take geese right and you go lay them out there. Like they may, you know, every dead goose you got's a sleeper. Uh, sleeper shell, right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. But like, I would get it maybe if you propped up like a little Jesus goose or whatever. Like, but I don't know. Man. It's like a little far fetched for a duck, and I don't know why I bought it. I thought maybe I bought it strictly for this conversation. Yeah, you know what? In fact, awesome, in fact, man. I'm going to call my tax guy up and I'm going to tell him I'm putting that on as tax deductible. Writing that bad boy off. I'm writing it up. It was content. Well, um, so we've, we've actually gone, I think a lot further tonight than I think we originally planned on. Um, I'll, I was going to say, do you want to talk about some of the stuff we're going to work on this season and defer our larger topic for a separate one? Or do you just want to die? Or I mean, I'm, I'm down for a deluxe episode. Maybe we just make this one two parts. Maybe I'll cut it up. I mean, whatever you. What do you think? I I, I can. No, let's do a little mini episode. We'll do a little mini episode. 
on this okay. because you and me agree or disagree, I think, or I don't know. We do. God dang it. Dude, I mean, no, I, we're running out, we're running out of steam. We're running out of steam on this one. I want to go full steam ahead on into this topic. We'll do it. We'll do it next weekend. And we're starting out with it. You're the yeah, one that yeah. said, we well, didn't want to start with this. Yeah, I know. And now we're oh, 69 minutes in and Hey, I, I'm not regretting the decisions we've made. I think it's, but I think that, you know, like I'm not regretting the, the, the season breakdown, which by the way, if any of you guys think I should regret it, please like send a review. Let me know. Like uh, you can PM me in the Facebook group or just post it for the public. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, dude, let's the- save it. Let's, let's actually, we can, maybe we can even record tomorrow or something and we can put yeah. something out. I don't know. But yes, I want to have a full head of steam for this one. And I actually, I think that this is a topic that if you and me gave ourselves just a tiny bit more preparation on, it'll yeah. be even better for the, for the listeners. Okay. Moving on. Let, we're no more. We're not teasing it anymore. Next week. Next week. Next week. Um, Maybe we'll just so, have, we'll do a whole thing where it's like you, just you and me arguing about stuff I'll over see. the off season. I'm so excited about it. Um, so enough teasing. So things that we have to look forward to, we have talked a lot the last couple of weeks. So this season now pretty much behind us with the exception of you having um, one more hunt, me having a, a, a goose hunt left, but for duck season being largely over uh, as I crack my season conclusion beer here. Um, what are we looking forward to this spring? We've been brainstorming. A <laughs> We're looking forward to some turkeys, buddy. And yes, I don't we, we have like our worst, our worst review of the podcast said something to the effect. Maybe you remember it better than me. Said it's something like, to the effect of like, don't ever do this again. Like don't ever make yeah. one of these episodes again. Um, well, hey, buddy. So, hey buddy, I'm doing We're doing Turkey episodes. I'm but, actually, this is the first year I've been excited for Turkey season. Really? Um, no joke. Really? See like Turkey season. I, so, I get, I get very excited about turkey season because much like duck hunting, it, there's a lot of similar things in there with like the calling, the responding, like seeing a reaction. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm one, I'm very excited about um, doing some traveling, you know, like coming up to Nebraska there and, and doing that. Like that's, that is on the books. I'm making that happen. And then down here, like we've got, we've got a couple of episodes planned that are going to be, um, I think like pretty in depth as far as uh, getting you, you know, beginners, like people that maybe haven't been out there turkey hunting or maybe your success has been hit or miss. Like you know, Ben and I have talked about um, the guests that we're going to have and, and some episode ideas that I, I, dude, I'm amped. I'm very excited about it and I'm very excited. Yeah, for me people. too. And doc, old doc page is going to be on there and he's a trip. Yeah. And we have, you know what? Let's line up. A, who's the biggest turkey guest we could line up. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like I've I've got a guy. You know, we've got some. I've I've reached out to some people that have some calls. You know, that do some. That you know that that, that make custom turkey calls that are very interested in it. Um, I got the outfitter down here that's that's interested in doing like a, a campfire style episode with a like an actual beginner. You know, like somebody that's never been out on a turkey hunt that has just gone out on one that I hope gets to sense some or see, you know experience some success. Um, I, what I'm hoping for is that we get some some, some good, some good back and forth and content with people that, you know, are, are, are real experts. And it turns out a lot of people that make custom duck calls are also like huge turkey hunters. And I think the drive's the same, right? Yeah. You're, you're calling, you're 
pure decoying. It's just, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped up about it. So what would you say to the person that's listening to this and going, damn it, man, <laughs> I just wanted to listen to waterfowl well, stuff. Well, so what do you say to I, that guy? Say to- because I, I'm honestly, I, I'm concerned about him. I'm so concerned what about him or her? You know, like if they're like, oh, I don't want to listen to turkey stuff. What I would say is if you you don't want to listen to turkey stuff or if that's not your jam, um, you know, listen, listen to one of the beginner episodes and maybe maybe it'll expand a horizon for you. Um, Or maybe if you've done turkey before and you're like, I have zero interest in that. Ben and I have not forgotten our our waterfowl roots, if you will. And, you know, like you and I have talked about, like going up to the Ducks Unlimited Expo in Fort Worth. I will definitely be going to that this year. Um, I've got a couple, or we've got some topics that we, uh, we've put together for, for waterfowl too. So it's not like we're, we're out of that business completely. I think we're just excited about some opportunities that are coming up in, in Turkey land. So, you know, if, if it's something that you're not into, understand a hundred percent. Um, but we're also going to, it's not like we're going to stop doing waterfowl topics as well. It's just going to be a little bit different, um, for Turkey. And hopefully we can open up some new doors for that too, because what? If you're talking about conservation, Ben, and, you know, getting more waterfowlers for conservation, turkeys are one of the biggest hunter conservation success stories in our country's history. Um, that, did you know that? Yeah, I did actually know that. I, I can't remember which podcast I heard it on or. Yeah. I think my but, dad I mean, had a couple books on that, but, but yeah, man, uh, I listen, we're going to do, we're going to do a turkey camp um, for like, either the opening weekend or the second opening week of uh, Nebraska turkey season. Uh, and that's going to be fun. And we're going to have a couple guests, a couple people uh, on there. We'll do a little, we'll do a little round top discussion. We'll probably have a couple of beers then, going. Uh, it'll be, it'll be really good. And then, and then we got Texas too. So we're going to do like that. Just, uh, and then it, it's different. It'll be different styles. I'm, dude, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped about it, and I'm, I'm. But at the same time, I'm fighting off my duck season depression right now. So it's it's real. Turns out it's real. It's truth. It's the truth. Okay, so next week, folks, um, you're gonna hear me and Alex. Mm. We disagree on. Should we tease it like one more second? Uh, yeah. Like, do you think that people uh, like will tune in more or less on it? You know, I think, you know, what? it doesn't matter. It does, I don't know that like people tuning in matters as much. I think that this, that what we're going to discuss is a very visceral topic to people that have been in the outdoors, um, for a long time, you know, or, or come from a, from a, from an outdoors, uh, family. I also think it's a very visceral topic for people, um, like myself that got into hunting a little bit later, um, in their lives. And so sure, I think that. Uh, I'm going to ruin it. I'm going to ruin it because I want people to, I want people to maybe send in their comments. Maybe that would be helpful yeah. or discuss it more on the, the group. I know you've already got it going yeah. on. So we're going to talk about guides, um, guiding on public land. Yeah. Specifically waterfowl. Yeah. Specifically waterfowl. And I think it's important for us to look at it and, um, evaluate what our feelings are about it as we go into the future and um, yeah. What do you think, Alex? What I think, how do you want to intro your argument? So I think we need to evaluate, you know, like one, your feelings on it, but also why you feel a certain way. And when I say that, like um, 
if you are if you are for you know if you think guides should guide on public land and, and like I said specifically waterfowl there's a lot of other factors you know for other big game out there and public land but you know specifically in the waterfowl argument uh, re- uh, you know I think people should evaluate why they feel a certain way either for or against it you know beyond and and like if you're thinking about this topic and you're going to chew on it some or maybe put your comments on on Facebook think about it from a resource utilization perspective or benefit to other hunters and not so much from like a perspective of, well, they're in my spot. You know, I hear that a lot. Like, you know, guys are in my spot or they've ruined my spot or they're taking people to the spot. Right. It's not about that. You've teased enough of your, <laughs> uh, you've teased enough right. of your, your side of this. Hmm. So. Fired. All right. Well, Alex, uh, what should we leave the listeners of the foul front with this, this week? Reflect on your, also, before you before you go, yes, sorry that it took us so long to get these out. Um, it's been hectic for me, and it's not Alex's fault. So uh, I mean, it's been wanted to say been hectic. It's been hectic on my end too. And you know, sometimes there's just going to be a break in a week. And hey, thanks to the guy out there that was uh, on the pod or in the Facebook group that was keeping us honest on it. So like, do that too. And you know, we want to interface with you on that. So I guess that's what I'll leave the listeners with. You know, that Facebook group is there for good open discussion. Uh, you know, with that topic next week, go in and, and, and if you got some real thoughts, feelings on it, like express them in a, in a good civil manner. Um, we would love to include them and Hey, take some time to reflect on your season this year. Um, kind of like what Ben and I did and evaluate your, evaluate how it went. Um, and what you're looking forward to next season. And yeah, that's, that's what I got. It was a good one. I was really glad we did this episode too. So. All right, man. Well, let's get out of here. Um, And we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great, great grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. And if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like. And we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So, all right. Stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. Offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome.
experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.